0: Time for Montana's only Daily Sports Talk Show. is now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Dollar! What's Montana? Welcome in. 1029 ESPN Missoula, you're listening to Nuanez Now. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I'm Coulter Nuanez, coming to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Appreciate you being here. Hope you're having a great start to your week. ton to get to today here on your Tuesday. couple standard staples. Because it's a Tuesday, we will reinstitute Taglieri Tuesday. So we have free Taglieri deli for you. Stay tuned for that. About 45 minutes from now, we'll be prompting you. You're going to win a gift card, 25 bucks to Tagliari Deli. Get yourself some of the best sandwiches in the city of Missoula. Maybe a bottle of wine. I don't know. $25 goes a long ways there. So uh, we'll hook you up here a little later on here in hour number one. Hour number two will also be highlighted by our Treasure State Stars. Some of the best individual performances of the week from Montanans or in Montana. One of the two. You don't have to be from Montana if you do it in Montana. But... uh Some of the best individual performances from around the state. And, of course, we'll have a business angle, a Justin angle. The overlay between business and sports. A really good conversation about time and place when it comes to marketing and endorsements. Basically, my thesis is that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, for as big of a star and as much of a legend as he is, would have been a much greater star and a much bigger legend if he played any other time in the entire world than the exact time that he played. We'll go through it. With Justin Angle, it takes us a lot of different directions. We talk Dream Team, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, and a variety of other things as well. So stay tuned for that during the 5 o'clock hour. We also rolled yesterday on football, and we didn't even get to half the stuff we wanted to talk about. So we'll keep talking college football, Grizz Spring Ball, Bobcat Spring Ball. That's going to be a theme of the week because the Grizz are now done. The Bobcats are in the heart of it. So anytime we can talk football, we want to. It's fun to talk about. And uh, I know you all love listening to it. We also are going to continue our history lessons, but we're going to switch it up a little bit to give you some history lessons about a couple of the guys that are coming to our neck of the woods here pretty soon. This is super cool. April 29th up at the Gray Wolf Peak Casino. Several basketball legends. Artist Gilmore. George Gervin, Michael Ray Richardson, and Calvin Murphy will all be up there at Grey Wolf Peak Casino do a little meet and greet. And it's so interesting because this is sort of a litmus test of how deep your cuts go when it comes to the history of the NBA. A lot of people I brought this up to are like, are you kidding me? Those guys are coming to right outside of Montana? And other people are like, who's Artis Gilmore? <laughs> so I think it has to do with Age, but also just sort of knowledge of the NBA. And I also think it's sort of interesting because those guys were playing in the 70s, which is a formative era in the NBA because it was so tumultuous and was so largely non-mainstream. So we're going to start telling you a little bit more about these guys that are coming here. Because if you don't know, maybe you don't realize. I mean, Artis Gilmore is a Hall of Fame player. He was one of the great ABA, ABA players and then became a great NBA player. George Gervin is one of the great scores in the history of basketball, period. I mean, you're talking like Kevin Durant and Carmelo Anthony now. George Gervin was that of his generation, the Iceman. And so I feel like if you don't know, you need to know. And maybe you'll think this event up there is super cool because it is. We're also going to have a fun interview about 4.30. Stan Spencer of the Backcountry Sled Patriots and Onyx Maps. They'll be in studio about 4.30. So we look forward to... Uh, to that as well. So there you go. That's your show Outlook presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. You want to stream the show the standard ways, 1029ESPN.com or on your YouTube channel. But look at this. Tommy, the genius that he is, he got an app made for us. ESPN Montana app is launched. So go download it. You can stream the show. You can also stream Chris the Cross, Chris Hockey. And uh, some other exciting stuff on the horizon. So go at, go download it and uh, get your fix of Nuanas now in a different form or fashion. You want to be a part of the show or you want to win something on this show. Either way, questions, comments, concerns, commentary, pieces of info to add to the conversation, call us or text us 406 888 1029. That's 888 1029. All guests will join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. And you're going to want to remember that for your opportunity to win Taglieri Deli a little later on uh, in the show. Let's right, Let's let's finish up first our Grizz spring ball conversation. Because we'll talk a little bit more Grizz throughout the summer, of course. We're going to launch a, a, a series here, probably starting in the next couple of weeks. Once, once we start, when you get back from the grind of basketball, you, you make the list and you start checking off stuff on the list. So we're starting to dive into our list to get caught up first, and then we'll start launching some new stuff. And uh, one of those things is going to be catching up with a lot of the incoming recruits in college football for both the Grizz and the Bobcats. Get those guys here on the radio to sort of tell a story of their senior years and their decisions to come play in the Big Sky Conference at the Montana School. So that's on the horizon. We'll have plenty of Grizz talk, of course, and Bobcat talk. All the sports, but a lot of football throughout the summer, like we always do. What I want to finish up this spring ball... Conversation that we were having uh, yesterday. And we were kind of going all over the place back and forth. We had a lot of sound in yesterday's show, recapping the spring game. But I want to talk this broadly coming out of the spring when it comes to some of the things that I think Montana needs on their roster. Uh, I think that Montana's in a a distinctly um, strong situation in the fact that they are not without weakness. I I don't think any team at the FCS level is without a weakness, except for maybe North Dakota State. Other than that, everybody has a weakness or two. With 63, I think that's the biggest difference. I think the two biggest differences between the FBS and the FCS are this. One, the FCS is like a salary cap league in which if you have like a a veteran, really talented guy, let's say you have a fifth-year senior at left tackle, Let's talk like Madden ratings or like NCAA football ratings. And, and that dude, that fifth year senior at left tackle, he's a three and a half, four year starter. And he, let's call him like, let's say he's like, let's use Lewis Kidd at Montana State, for example. Last year, Lewis Kidd was like a 96 if it comes to NCAA football ratings. Very good player. But the guy who's going to be his backup if Lewis Kidd goes down is likely going to be a freshman. He's or he's likely going to be very inexperienced. The drop off is profound. So what I'm saying is like when guys get hurt at Alabama, the next guy up, he was likely a five-star as well. He might just not be quite as experienced. There's also a higher likelihood that he's a little older, just depending. That's also a dynamic that's changing with the transfer portal roster movements, all that. But it's the it's the plain depth. But when you're in the at the FCS level, when you lose a premier player, the next guy up is going to be in those ratings, 20 to 30 points less. So I think that's one of the biggest differences. I think the other biggest difference is you really can have outstanding, potentially All-American caliber talent across the board when you have 85 scholarships. I think you have to pick and choose where you want to be really, really strong at the FCS level. I think that's why sometimes we see teams that have crazy talent at certain positions and then really young groups at others. I think that's where this Grizz team is at. That said, the fact is that there's no real gray area or mystery to where the Grizz are at. I think that they are stacked on defense. I think they're stacked on special teams. I think they have a whole bunch of dudes who are buying what Bobby Houck is selling and want to play their butts off for him. But I think they have defined weaknesses on the offensive line and the specialists on the special teams. That said, though, there could be some other things that we we want from the Grizz. And so when we're talking about off-season additions, sometimes off-season additions include transfers, but also sometimes it, it includes guys just taking the next step. So, for example, I think that on offense, I think the Grizz need a wide receiver who can stretch the field. That guy could be and likely already is on the team. They just need a guy that can prove it in games. Aaron Fonts showed his speed. explosion during the spring game, uh, the sophomore out of Oxnard, California. He can really, really run. Can he do it against Weber State, though? Can he do it against Northern Arizona? That's the question. Keelan White is another guy that could be that guy. Malik Flowers is another guy that could be that guy. So oftentimes that guy might be in the program. So I want to kind of analyze what the Grizz need from a need standpoint, uh, uh, including guys that are on the team but also guys off the team, whatever. Just what do they need within the scope of what they do? So I have some i have some thoughts and some ideas, but I want to ask Andrew first. So Andrew Houghton, our producer here, ESPN Missoula. What, what sort of things do you think the Grizz need? I mean, what could they add personnel-wise or just sort of dynamic-wise to
2: the things that they do that you think would be beneficial? Well, I think the offensive line is really the big one, and that's such a challenge for them because— right. You can go in the portal and and get your guys, but you have to have five guys that can work together.
0: And That's exactly right. And the one thing that I'm just going to pause you
2: just for a second, this is a a really
0: dorky way of doing this, or this is a really uh, football nerd way of explaining this, but there's a variety of ways you can operate on the offensive line. It's not just getting five big guys. What the Grizz do in their current offensive scheme is zone blocking. And so so – their zone scheme is even more essential to have a unit. They need a good unit rather than individual guys. It's not just like the cats, for example, run a bunch of gap scheme. So if you have a weakness at left guard, you want to get a specific left guard who can pull or a guard period who can pull. That's way different than
2: finding a guy who can fit into
0: your offensive line unit.
2: Well, that's right. And you know, You can't just, that's what I'm saying, you can't just go into the portal and grab guys with the pedigree. You need to know the system that they're playing in, physical attributes and stuff. They're in an okay position because they do have A.J. Forbes coming back in the middle of the line, and that should help as far as uh, chemistry going into it because uh, I think A.J. is the guy who can be a real leader for that line. He can sort of bring all these pieces that are coming together if they are going to bring in a lot of transfers and really help them with the transition. But I think that's one of the big areas of of need, certainly, for them. I wonder if they're going to uh, try and go after another quarterback, actually, Coulter. I think they absolutely are. I think they're definitely going to go after a quarterback. Because
0: I think that... And again, this is coming from very limited watching of them, but... I think what we saw Friday was the last opportunity that Chris Brown's going to get, at least for this year, barring injuries and things like that, but the last real opportunity he's going to get to compete for anything but the backup job. Is Daniel Britt good enough and developed enough to be able to push Lucas Johnson to get better? I don't think they're going to try to bring somebody in to beat
2: out Lucas Johnson. Are you sure? Because from where it looks, I mean, from what we saw in the spring game and from what the little that we've seen in the spring, to me, it looks like they're right where they were last year. Where they have a guy who's the presumptive starter who is a good, solid quarterback, Yeah. but not a super high ceiling. And then right. behind him, they have a lot of question marks, which of course starts with Chris Brown and now Daniel Britt being in the mix. I think it's really analogous to the situation they had last season. And we've talked about, you know, well, maybe Bobby Houck was happy with Cam Humphrey back there, but I don't, I don't know if he was, I don't know if they were. Well, the other thing that coach Houck has said
0: among the most consistent things he has told me and told the media in the 10 plus years I've covered him is that he likes to have a quarterback in each class. Well, Daniel Britt is a freshman. Chris Brown is a sophomore. Crazy that Chris Brown's a sophomore. He was in high school like five years ago when I was covering him at Bozeman High. But he's still only a sophomore because he got the red shirt and then the COVID shirt and all this stuff. I wrote about him when he came out of Bozeman High right. before I moved away and then moved <laughs> right. back. Right. Totally. But he still is by class only a sophomore. And then Lucas Johnson's a sixth-year seater. So maybe they do bring in a guy in that junior class. Who is that guy? though? Where do they turn to? They were aggressive in the transfer portal during the spring, or during the latest offseason, excuse me, during, I guess you'd say, the winter, trying to lead up to winter conditioning. I mean, they offered the kid from Northern Iowa, who was kind of on everybody's radar, was one of the top FCS guys that was transferring. They offered a guy who used to be at Washington State. So they were in the mix for several guys, and maybe they get back in the mix.
2: I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll see more movement with sort of the quarterback carousel that goes around sort of, the lower levels of the Power Five and the top levels of the FCS now. So, And we know, of course, that they're not afraid to bring in guys even right up to fall camp because we saw when they had holes, like Kevin Macias last year, who came in a week before fall camp started. So I'm sure there's going to be some more movement there. As far as other areas, I think, you know, on the defense, maybe on the defensive line, but I think they're pretty, pretty stacked everywhere else. I think they really like...
0: The duo they have on the the nose spot, the interior, Alex Gubner, phenomenal athlete. Uh, Eli Alford, uh, sort of a lunch pail type guy, but, but is, a, is a good player. And I actually think that those two guys, if each one takes the another step from where they were last year, then all of a sudden, you have one of the best interior duos in the league. They're going to rotate a lot with each other. But Gubner was a second-team all-league guy last year. He takes the next step. Well, he's the best inside guy in the league then, that means. And Alfred was good, and if he takes the next step, that means he's like scratching the the floor of being an all-conference player, which is good as well. Rob, uh, Bobby Hauk gave great returns to to Garrett Holstead, who's wearing number fifty-six. For those who got a chance to watch the scrimmage, a he's only a redshirt sophomore by eligibility wise, but he's a transfer from Nebraska. He he certainly looks the part for sure. Um, and I think he can man one of those end spots but this is another great example of a spot though where it's not necessarily going out and getting someone maybe you just really need someone within your team within your locker room to come along is that guy Jason uh, Jacob McGgoring excuse me is that guy Noah cashmitter there is that guy Henry noose he did not play in the the spring game but he got some good run last year and he was he was definitely fine. He was solid as a freshman. And you never know. You never know when that next guy is going to just break out. Like, what if it's – that's the thing, too, about when you recruit developmental-type partial scholarship prospects from Montana, like Bobby Houck is so prone to do, you never know when that guy just freaks out one off season in the weight room and just comes – goes from – you know, Journey Grimsrud was a kid out of Huntley Project who was great track athlete. He could throw it. He's got great balance. He's a great wrestler, but he's coming from a Class B school. He's never been spe- uh, in a specific sport. He's never trained like a college athlete. Well, he came in at 6'3", 245. The roster's got him listed at 272. When I saw him, he looks bigger than that. So I'm not saying he's the guy. I'm just saying that's an example of a guy. You just never know. Like Once upon a time, Croy Bierman was too skinny and, and didn't have enough strength to play. And then all of a sudden, Croy Bierman shows up, and you're like, well, that guy's getting
2: drafted. Like, who is that guy? And so we've seen it time and again, and you just never know who that guy might be. Well, Groomsrud sounds like he's heading for the interior defensive well, line right, if right. he keeps up that pace. Well, there's
0: another guy like that in Noah Cashmitter who's That's a right. similar story. He's from Grangeville, Idaho, so you might as well say he's from Montana. He is basically from three hours from Missoula, tiny little town, played in a high school. It's like the level of a Class B high school. And when he came in, he's like a 6'2", 215-pound outside linebacker. Well, he's listed at six three two sixty now, so he's on a fast track to the interior. He's actually is playing on the interior now.
2: Yeah, that is another one of those positions where it's you can never have too many guys at defensive end because you can always rotate guys in and out. You can bump some of those guys into the interior on passing downs if you want to do that. Whatever. Here's here's something where, you know, if you, if you're waiting on those kids from inside the program to build up and develop, I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing them go after some younger developmental transfers. I know Bobby Houck always wants to bring in guys. If he's bringing in a guy, he wants him to either play right right away or he wants him to immediately push the guys that he has in that position. Sure. But with the way that the portal is now, you can bring in guys. Like you mentioned, Garrett Hustet, who's only a sophomore. I mean, you can have him for a number of years if you bring him in. Is that going to be a thing that we're going to start seeing where they bring in transfers, but with the intention to develop them for a year or two and still maybe have a year or two on the back end? Well, we're kind of seeing
0: that with uh, A.J. Forbes. Right. Uh, I mean, Joe Babros came in with a couple years left. Gavin Robertson came in with three years to play. Yeah. So I I do think that there's a fit for sure. So much of the way that Montana recruits, though, it has to do with where you're from because Bobby Houck loves – he wants it to be about Grizz football. That's what I appreciate about him, but he always has said there's an incredibly high priority on recruiting guys from places where you can drive from. So within a, a you know a seven to eight hour drive. So are there guys from that area available? I also wonder this, a ton of the transfers Montana has brought in, a ton of the transfers Montana's brought in were because of Previous connections, like Dalton Steed went to play for Bobby Houck originally at UNLV, and then this meandering road that had a stop at Scottsdale Community College, and then he finally makes his way to Montana. But you know, Gavin Robertson once upon a time was in the mix getting recruited at UNLV before he went to Arizona, and then you know, Lucas Johnson, uh, San Diego State, you know, from Bobby Houck's time there. Adam Eastwood, I mean, on down the line, the majority of the transfers has had previous connections, so. You wonder how their transfer evaluation and recruitment changes as those connections start to fade. Because now Coach Huck's been here for five years and four seasons. So the recruitment from when he was in FBS places hasn't run hasn't run completely dry yet, but certainly is is uh, not nearly as uh, prevalent as it was.
2: Yeah, it's starting to fade a little bit. I mean, we're still seeing that with guys like Garrett Hustad, who played with A.J. Forbes at Nevada sure. or at Nebraska coming in. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting, and I think that Bobby Bobby Hauk's the kind of guy who, you know, we're talking about areas where they need transfers. If, if he sees a guy in the portal who he knows and he thinks can improve the team, it doesn't matter what position, if he thinks they can get them, they're going after him, you know? Um, so I think there will be a <laughs> lot more developments with that throughout the summer. I'm only laughing because I'm just thinking
0: of Coach Hauk and, and also some of his older assistants. Just looking at the database that is the transfer portal and just scrolling and just what must be going through their minds. I, I bet a guy like Kent Bear, who's entering his 50th year coaching college football, I bet he can't even, he doesn't even probably waste time even thinking about it, right? Like, he's probably not even, he's probably not even, it's not even the realm of consciousness. He's probably like, I'm not even gonna deal with this. Just let it go. Just let it be. Yeah. <laughs> It was so funny because I can't remember who it was. Somebody that's a radio person, personality, or so of some sort in uh, Colorado. They, I believe, they were doing an interview with Ed McCaffrey, and he was touting his staff. And some of the guys have some NFL. And there was a tweet that kind of circulated on the big sky Twitter sphere. Twitter sphere that said, I, "I can't believe the the prestige and experience of Ed McCaffrey's staff. You'd be hard pressed to find one with more." Uh, pedigree than at Northern Colorado. And I wanted to quote tweet it so bad and be like, Brent Pease used to be the offensive coordinator at Florida. And Kent Barrett has worked at Notre Dame, Stanford, Cal, Washington, Arizona State, Nevada. I mean, the guy has worked at more schools than anybody. And he's been in the game since the mid-70s. So uh, a little experience. Uh, I'm I'm not saying that makes him better or worse. I'm just saying in terms of pedigree and places these guys have been, They've been to a lot of places. Nuon is Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Let's talk some Bobcat stuff because we did touch on the Cats yesterday. We heard from Brent Vegan, the head coach of Montana State. But I want to know, Andrew, from your perspective because you were uh, primarily covering the Grizz last fall and then helping me cover the Cats secondarily. But then during the playoffs, when Montana State was riding their, riding their wave all the way to the national championship, then you got to go exclusively cover the Cats for a few. And I know we've been both following – just these guys that are coming out of the Bobcat program and they're jockeying for position when the with the NFL draft coming up. And, and that has been a cool story in itself. But when it comes to this team, you asked me a good one yesterday, but what, what are we looking at for this team? Because I think this is an incredibly pivotal offseason for Montana State.
2: I think so, too. I think a lot of people are, uh, you know, sort of discounting the amount of talent that they have coming back because of the amount of talent that's going out the door. But when you look at this team, this is a team with not a lot of huge holes. I mean, they also have some spots to replace on the offensive line and that's going to be so huge because finding the right people there or not finding the right people there sort of has the chance to torpedo your season. But other than that, I mean, they have guys coming back at every level who at least were able to contribute. And then often, in often, in a lot of cases, we're, we're very, very good. We're stars of the team. I mean, Isaiah Fonse coming back, a guy like Callahan O'Reilly coming back on the defense. Yep. Um, you know, they've got guys coming back in the secondary. Jeffrey Manning Jr., Tyrell Thomas, both going to
0: be super senior guys. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's That's the other undertold story. There is still this remaining group of guys that are they're going to get that extra year still. Like, Tyrell Thomas yeah. played as a true, and so now he's going to be like a traditional super senior, a fifth-year fifth guy. Year senior. But he's getting a fifth year after already playing his four years. It's not as if he's playing his fourth year in five.
2: Yeah, and you know looking at their situation with the specialists compared to Montana i mean they've got a young punter and kicker that are both very good who who are going to be there for a long time those are just spots you don't have to worry about i'm sort of intrigued what i was going to ask you again yesterday was who are the names coming up out of the spring spring ball that like we haven't heard about i mean we've we've heard about like that sort of secondary tier of stars yeah, that played yeah. a lot last year like guys like callahan o'reilly We've heard at least about guys like uh, like like Valdez on the defensive line. Sebastian Valdez, for sure. Or, or Birdie Grebe.
0: We, we have to also, when you're talking about the star guys coming back, you also have to mention Ty Okada. Cause he's In the probably, secondary, yeah. He's probably the best guy they have coming back on the defense that isn't one of these NFL guys that's graduating. Right.
2: Um, so, so we know guys like that. Who are guys who are just sort of come out of nowhere for the spring ball for the Cats? Well, I think that if if you really follow intensely Montana State football, you
0: know about Brody Grebe, but I think he has an opportunity to really be that next in the line of the, the Montana guy from the middle of nowhere who just blows up, right? I mean, he's from Melstone, Montana. You're talking like population 50. I mean, the, the kid the kid scored more points than anybody in the history of Montana high school basketball because his dad was the coach, and I think he started on varsity since he was in eighth grade. I mean, but that's not to demean his scoring ability. He dropped 50 in a game multiple times, but the kid had, and then, I mean, then he went out and basically won the Class C state championship track meet by himself. And, and this is a guy that's you know six two, probably two oh five, coming out of high school. But he didn't get the kind of offers that he wanted. So he went to a prep school back east, ironically, Choate Academy on the East Coast. And then he comes back after a year there, which didn't burn a year of eligibility, and signs with Montana State. And then last year in spot duty, he had five sacks and was very good. Can he take the next leap? If he can, uh, he could be one of those guys for sure that is kind of one of those um, breakout stars. Uh, The other, I mean, there's a couple other guys that I think really could... uh, I don't know if they're out of nowhere, but I think they have an opportunity to really take the next step. Charles Brown was a huge recruit when he came uh, out of the Dallas area as a wide receiver. Choate said that he was one of the fastest, if not the fastest guys on the team the day he stepped on campus. He was an early enrollee, graduated early and enrolled last January. They actually kind of expected him to play more. I think if it was a different offense, he would have. Last year... One of the things that Brent Vegan did so well last year was not get in the way of anything. He just rode the ponies. He just said, here's those dudes, we're going to ride them. That was a great thing across the board. The one guy who probably fell a victim to being overused was Isaiah Fonse. That then took away touches for everybody from the running backs like Lane Sumner, Elijah Elliott, uh, Demarius Hosey to... Some of the other guys that maybe get the ball in, like, jet sweep situations or screen passes on the outside, a lot of the slot guys like Charles Brown. So I think Brown has a chance to sort of uh, have an elevator role. And then a couple of the other guys that I think that uh, maybe maybe have gone a little bit under the radar that maybe will get a little bit more of an opportunity. I think those guys, with Troy Anderson gone from the middle, Callahan O'Reilly's out this spring I think that's great reps for Nolan Askelson, who's a former defensive player of the year in the state of Montana, Class AA, defensive MVP out of Billings Senior. He was really good. He was actually a co-starter alongside O'Reilly two years ago, and then he's gotten kind of banged up, and he had a season-ending injury last year. He, him being back, that'll help a lot. And then we call him Danny Yu. Danny La Capa, who has been on this show once upon a time, he was a tremendous recruit coming out of the Seattle area. He was the King Co. player, the King County player of the year in high school, and he's shown great flashes in the little, the limited time he's got. So maybe he's a guy that flashes defensively, and then on offense, uh, I think that there's a, several really, really talented offensive linemen. Which one of those guys can transform, and where do they play? Each one of those guys, Rush Reimer, T.J. Sessions, and J.T. Reed have all received. Uh, good, uh, they, they've had good feedback from what they've been able to do. Which one of those guys, though, is the left tackle of the future? Session was forced in as a right tackle as a freshman. Then he suffered uh, a bad injury, but then he came back. In the meantime, you have Kidd, Lewis Kidd, anchoring your left tackle spot, but I think that's going to be sort of an open competition between Session and Reimer to see which one uh, can play there. And If those guys can, then who can slide in at guard? Could it be um, J.T. Reed, or could it be a, a couple other Montana guys that have some developmental capabilities, guys like Joey McElroy, who's out of Missoula Loyola, or Holden Sampson, who's out of Helena High. We'll see. I think those are pretty interesting as well. But the guy that I, I think that so many people have asked me about, which I think Brent Vigan acknowledged this uh, last time he talked to the media as well, is Demarius Hosey. I mean, he is a guy that came out of the Houston area as a three-star recruit. He was incredibly highly recruited. He chose Montana State over offers from like 10 other schools – he flashed as a freshman. Chope played him just four games, but he had a couple really big games. He scored multiple touchdowns. And I'm not talking like just against like the NAIA schools of the world or whatever. He scored a touchdown at North Dakota and he scored a touchdown against Southeast Missouri when they were in Bozeman, when they were a ranked a top twenty team in the FCS. Last year he got hardly any run. So I expect him to get some elevated run as well. We'll come back to that because I think it is interesting to talk about both Grizz and Katz. Uh, here on nuanas Now. But we got to get out because we're going to come back. We're going to have some fun. We got the Backcountry Sled Patriots and Onyx Maps. Stan Spencer in studio. Keep it right here. Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio. The Grizz wrapped up spring football on Friday. The Bobcats notched another team win on the track Saturday, and Scotty Scheffler secured his first green jacket Sunday. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Friday night in the Bitterroot Valley at Hamilton High, the Montana football team executed their 15th and final session of spring drills. The simplistic non-game plan scrimmage included interceptions by Trajan Cotton and Corbin Walker, plus a near pick by Trevin Gradney in the first half, plus touchdown catches by Ryan Simpson and Aaron Fonts in the final quarter. The play of the evening came when... The play of the evening came when freshman Dylan Simmons intercepted freshman Daniel Britt in the end zone and raced 85 yards the other way, but Simmons was tracked down from behind by Fonts, who ran the length of the field behind the Grizz bench before re-entering to halt Simmons' pick-six bid. Montana State continued its recent run of success in the annual Cat Grizz duel on Saturday at the Bobcat Track and Field Complex. The Bobcat women easily cleared the Grizz by a score of 111-55 for its fourth straight rivalry win. The MSU men won their eighth straight against Montana in head-to-head duels by outscoring the Grizz 88-67. For more on the individual results of this meet, tune into Nuanas now this week. And finally, Scheffler affirmed his status as the number one player in the world, shooting a final round 71 to finish 10 strokes under par and win the Masters Golf Tournament by three shots over Rory McElroy. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Solway Armory. Almost every rejoin was a Black Keys song. That was back when Gus Tutel was DJing more than me. Welcome back. Duana's now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Or maybe you're watching on the new ESPN Montana app. No matter how you're consuming the show, appreciate you being here. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. We like, especially this time of year, but all of the time, we like to feature, especially on Tuesdays and Thursdays, some interviews featuring different different parts of our community when it comes to sports and outdoors, and that's what we're going to do now. We have Stan Spencer and Andrew Burrington here in studio with us. These guys from the Backcountry Sled Patriots, but also in association now with Onyx Mapping. So this is cool, very exciting. Talk some snowmobile. I know the snow is mostly melted by this point, but there's still a lot of stuff you can get into. So first, we'll start with you, Stan. Just sort of tell us the the background of all this, I mean, the backcountry sled patriots, this has been around for almost 10 years now. What was sort of the inspiration for it?
3: What is it? Just tell people kind of what you guys do, what you're into. Well, it's uh, just kind of a, a common sense story, I guess. Uh, I belong to a snowmobile club uh, here in Missoula, and I could see these clubs uh, around the state uh, struggling. Uh, we were getting backcountry areas closed. Uh, nobody had any money to challenge it from a litigation viewpoint so we were just basically saying oh heck we just lost it we just got beat up Uh, we can't beat the forest service and um you know my nature is now there's got to be a better way um so I started talking to the guys that ride in the backcountry, and maybe I should explain that a little bit. Sure, we're riding off trail. Um, we're not going down a groomed trail. Um, we're look. We might ride a primitive trail to get up into the backcountry, but basically, we look for uh, a challenge. You know, scenery and solitude. Uh, we want to be in that up in those areas by ourselves. So, I got talking to the guys. And I said, you know, how come you don't get involved in these local clubs and? Oh you know it 's just not our thing and and so forth, so I thought, well, maybe there 's a better way to do this. Uh, I had just sold a couple of businesses and and so I had a little time on my hands and uh So, I got a hold with a couple of guys and said, "What do you think and well you know let 's give it a shot uh and uh, it just it went forward from there uh, we don't do any in-house meetings uh, we, we have directors meetings once a year but beyond that it's it's all email and, and text and that that group of guys that that's what they like to do they they would rather communicate that way rather than go to a, a club meeting once a month or, or, or so forth and it just it, it just blew up from there uh, In my wildest imagination, I thought maybe we'd maybe get a couple hundred members or something like that. Uh, But with different associations uh, and uh, associate members... uh Uh, we basically have a total of about 4,000 people supporting us right now. Uh, And it's primarily in the West, but we have quite a few guys out in the Midwest that have ridden out here. Uh, I've actually just ran across a guy in New York. uh, And I said, how the heck did you get get our name? Well, you know, he said, I ride to such and such a club. And and I said, well, isn't that interesting? You're an associate member of Backcountry Sled Patriots. And so, yeah, that's kind of the history, how it grew. So you guys are... It's a, it's a club to get people together, to,
0: to share something that they enjoy. And like you're saying, seeking the solitude and the beauty of nature. But also, you're trying to make sure that you can still do this, right? So what is sort of the obstacle there? I mean, why would people want to not have backcountry snowmobiling, for example?
3: <laughs> oh, man, that's the elephant in the room. Right, totally. Uh, well, uh, long story short, uh, basically the non-motorized community uh, doesn't like motorized in in the back country and um it really galls me because it's public land and you ought to think it it, it should be shared but um so here we are um and 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 it comes down to to motorized and i guess ideology more than than actual fact Um, so we're up in the back country um and the and, and i've actually talked to these guys uh you know the summer users and and they're not apologetic about it. They just said, you know, well, um, you know, we, we don't really like you guys and, and uh, we don't think it's right that you should be up there enjoying yourselves. Uh, uh, if you're going to go anywhere at all, you ought to be, you know, hiking it in and, and so forth. So uh, now just just think the Sierra Club and, and people of that nature mm-hmm. or, or groups of that nature mm-hmm. Um and there's a lot of there's a lot of apparel manufacturers that support closures because they support these folks uh, because it sells products. It, sure. it, it, it's not under the idea that uh, you're doing something bad up there. Um, so anyhow, uh, it, these people really got the ear of the Forest Service, and at that point or point in time, we're probably talking maybe 20 years and then coming into the present. Okay. Mm-hmm. We had, we had some regional uh, foresters and actually a, a, a chief forester in Washington, D.C., and his deal, or their deal, mostly his, was, you know, it all it all ought to be wilderness. So, and I hope I don't put everybody to sleep on this, but it's kind of how this <laughs> thing evolved. Okay. No, but I think the protection of public lands is a very important thing, so I think this is interesting. Well, it, it is public land, and that's what we keep, you know, espousing. So, here's the deal. Uh we get to... Uh, no, I just lost my train of thought on, on this particular... They got the ear of the Forest Service oh, about okay. 20 years ago, okay. right? Okay, so the Forest Service said, you know, the loss. Uh, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. So we have the National Wilderness Protection System. Um, that there's a, The law was passed in 1964. Okay, now... That law said the Forest Service can designate areas that could be recommended for wilderness. All right, um, and we don't have any problem with that, and Congress has to approve that. Well, somebody, they sat down in a meeting and said, you know, there's an end run around Congress right in front of us. <laughs> and what, we, what we're gonna do is we're gonna manage these as, as wilderness, even though they're not congressionally approved, so bang. So of course the lawsuits started flying, sure. and, and we were in one ourselves um, not that long ago, and wound up all the way through the ninth, uh, or the, the yeah the ninth Circuit uh, Appeals Court. Well, the Ninth Circuit Appeals Court said, well, yeah, that's what Congress intended, but we think the Forest Service can enhance what Congress intended. Now, how that can be a law or a legal reading, I don't know. I mean, it's and from my perspective is pure legislating from the bench anyhow the lower courts now have to abide by that that ruling hmm, interesting uh, uh, there there has been a subsequent ruling at the supreme court that i think takes some of the teeth out of that ninth circuit ruling but um, we we had a lawsuit just prior to that coming out of the of the supreme court so uh, we'll wait and see to the to the next one comes along so that's how these areas are getting closed and uh We've had about 400,000 areas closed or a- acres closed in the last uh, you know number say over the last five years just between Montana and Idaho alone it's just incredible so interesting Stan Spencer Andrew Burlington in studio with us backcountry sled Patriots
0: is the organization fighting for your rights for use of public land in the most broad sense of the word and Andrew let's talk about onyx maps and the in your relationship now then with backcountry sled Patriots how did you guys sort of get involved, in, and how can you sort of help uh, in this effort to uh, keep lands open and, and uh, uh, let people use the land as it's, maybe it's intended?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, for, for folks who aren't aware, Onyx Maps is a, a company that produces GPS products um, for a few different recreational groups. Um, we were actually founded here in Missoula, Montana, have been here 12 years, um, and now are nationwide. Um, the product we started with was actually for hunters. And so it was all about showing public and private lands. Right, you know, You're trying to figure out where you can get out, where you're legal. Um, and then as we kind of grew, we saw such an opportunity to provide mapping to other folks that were getting out. Sure. Um, and so then we released a product called Off-Road um, and Off-Road was focused on motorized use, both, you know, we have a, a dirt and a, and a snow modes as we call them, right? So for the snow wheelers and for the Jeepers, like where are the places that I can go? Where can I recreate and how do I stay safe out there and kind of know where I'm at and how to get back to my car? Um, and another product we have, which is actually to Stan's point, there's there's some contention in these groups that we're sure. very aware of is we also have Onyx Backcountry, which is for the the trail group of the non-motorized folks from you know just hiking and backpacking and trail running. And we've got the Backcountry skiing group covered. So we've kind of like spread out across these groups. Um, but we see a very common thread of like, everybody wants access. Um, they want to do the things they love. Sure. Um, and we provide access to like, what is public? Where can I go? So when it comes to sled patriots and we think of off-road and how we've partnered, like we're really trying to help these snow wheelers get out there and find these places that they can have a great time and explore. Um, we've actually mapped out these these closure areas in the product, so folks are, are, are aware where they're at um, and, and you know w- w- how big that impact is. Um, and then for OnX, as we get folks out, it's really there's a big safety component to it. It is a great product that works when you are offline. Mm-hmm. which You don't need cell service. You save the maps. You go out there, and if you're confused as to where you are it's a great tool to use to make sure you're safe um and so you know we we've been kind of like trying to thread the needle of we see this common ground and you know stan and his organization sled patriots is pushing for a great cause everybody wants to open up the land and it's like how do you find a common ground between these groups um to really like everybody's playground how can we do it in a way we're not pointing fingers right um you know and there's a, a lot of conversations to be had to get there. Um, but for OnX, we feel like we're kind of in a good spot to like help drive that conversation.
0: Stan, I'm sure that this is uh, a revolution compared to maybe when you first started snowmobiling. So, what do you think of this technology? These the maps that these guys are able to provide. And how much does that help you just in the enjoyment and and also safety of this activity?
3: Well, I got to share a story with you. You know, I've been snowmobiling for 50 years, and I hate to admit it, but that's the <laughs> truth. I not. didn't even
0: know they we even had snowmobiles for 50. <laughs> they that's amazing. Much 50 years I, ago. Bet, <laughs> I
3: bet you the technology has just gone through the roof. Unbelievable. You, yeah, you. It, there's no comparison whatsoever. <laughs> you know in the old days you know if we were trying to find a, an area or a new area and, and wanted to make sure we could get back in or get our way out you know it was not uncommon to have an ax and blazing a tree right so I think it was about a year ago um, I was out with a group of guys including Andrew uh, back in it's called the the uh, frog pond area uh, out of Phillipsburg and uh, So we're back in there, and the guy I was with, we've been in there before, and we're both, we're at a lake, and we're saying, you know, we know there's another lake, and how the heck do we get to it? And we'd circled around, we're cutting through the trees, and just couldn't figure it out, and Andrew whips out his phone, and yeah, he says, we're about 300 yards away from it, just go north-south, or north-northwest, or something, and... Over the hill, through the dale, and, and we were there. So, yeah, it's uh, quite a change over 50 years. The the art of orienteering, I think,
0: we used to learn that back in high school. But I don't know if they still teach it nearly as much, but this is sort of the new age version of that, right? Oh, ab- absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just Andrew, how much of it stems from that then? Because this is sort of like a deliverable to a modern era and something that has been essential for people that enjoy outdoor activities for a really long time, right?
1: Yeah, no, and I think it, it is changing the way people recreate. Like it's really, you know, opening up all these lands that people have like maybe not been like comfortable in sure, touching, right. right? Like you stay on the trail and you go. And so now you've got this, you know, sturdy products you can use to really make these next decisions. We like to say like, you know, keep, keeping confidence in the outdoors. Um, how do you create that feeling? Um, and so yeah, it's it's just a, a different world. Like you know, I can't even imagine. I come out. I've uh, you know, growing up in the digital age, I'm so used to just like pull out my phone, figure out where I'm going. <laughs> and Stan, I can't even believe how much you did and how much you opened up orienteering and kind of working through it. It's it's uh it's impressive. <laughs> so we're we're lucky in this new age, and I think it's it's going to open up a lot of land for a lot of folks. No
0: is now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Hope you're having a great Tuesday afternoon into evening. We are talking backcountry snowmobiling with the Backcountry Sled Patriots, Stan Spencer of the organization, as well as Andrew Burrington from Onyx Maps here with us on ESPN Radio. So, Stan, what's next? I mean, what's the biggest challenge facing your organization moving forward here? And, and if people are listening to this and they're somehow compelled, how can they help you?
3: Well, uh, number one, being engaged in uh Uh, these uh, forest plans uh, and efforts to close the backcountry area. Um, Let me kind of give you one example of I guess what we do and what our challenges are. Uh, In early February uh, a bill was introduced uh, by a Congressperson from New York, uh, not from Montana, but from New York. <laughs> whole different country at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't want to say that. But <laughs> I guess that's, that's
0: our... okay. I'm the radio guy. I'll go ahead and get myself in trouble. It's a t- it's, it, uh, people in New York shouldn't be passing laws about Montana. Anyways, carry on.
3: Okay, so this is in the House, um, and what it would do is convert. And pay attention. Twenty-three million. I'm not. That's a whole bunch of zeros. Twenty-three million <laughs> a whole acres. Whole bunch of zeros. Of It's called Inventoried Roadless Lands in the Western States. Uh, This was a product uh, that came out of the the, uh, Clinton administration. Uh, They were declared roadless where there wasn't supposed to be any uh, development, you know, such as logging and so forth. And I don't think anybody had a real problem with it, but now this bill says we want to convert all of those to... To be converted into the National Wilderness System, so that's now an additional 23 million acres. And once it's in the National Wilderness System, there is no motorized. There's no back. uh, There's no uh, mountain bike riding. It's strictly um, a non-motorized environment. Secondly there's no firefighting till it gets out of the wilderness area unless there's, uh, ex- you know, uh, extreme life or structure uh, potential damage. Right. Otherwise, they just let these things run wild. Um, so it's the craziest thing that, you know, you could even imagine. Uh, but think about this. Somebody in New York says, you know, wilderness out in Montana would really be nice. I mean, it's not in my backyard. Uh, totally. So let's let's go for it. So the bill's there, but the bill got pulled. It went into committee. Or, or, and before they had a hearing, it got pulled. No, there was no reason given, but ourselves, backcountry sled patriots, and other uh, motorized groups, uh, such as the Idaho State Snowmobile Association, we'd put a full court push on trying to get people to comment on why this thing just was not good for western uh, the Western states. So it got pulled out of committee, but it's not dead. Um, so where do we go? we got to keep everybody... Uh, in the loop, uh, you know, we work with uh, Representative Fulcher, who's on that uh, uh, that committee as a ranking member. Uh, we got to work with these people, be on top of it, uh, and let our membership and let other people know that you know we got to speak up. We just can't roll over and say, "Well, I guess it's a done deal." At the end of the day, those wordless in areas are probably easily 90% of all the snowmobile areas in Montana. Uh, right. So this basically almost completely eliminates backcountry snowmobiling if this was to pass, right? Yeah, it would be you know goodbye backcountry, hello Walmart parking lot for us. Gosh, no, that's terrible. Well, how can people get involved with your organization if they want to help out with this? Well, we, we have our website uh, www.sledpatriots.com uh, is probably and, and there's uh, real easy to follow the prompts as far as uh, membership. Membership is actually free. Um, we just. We want people engaged uh mm-hmm. if we want their money we'll ask them for a donation but uh there, that's why we don't have any charge for uh, f- for membership um and we work through social media um that's actually kind of what really spread the participation was uh, uh everybody's uh, looking at facebook and instagram these days uh, so yeah that that's how they can get a hold of us uh and uh we uh, we look forward to the more people joining the you know the the, the parade the better uh, and we work very closely with other associations to try to put a unified front uh, it, you know that's one thing I guess I, I should emphasize we were so fractured before everybody trying to fight their own own battle and uh, it, it just didn't we, we have to be unified uh, the people who want to close us down are very unified and Andrew just last thing from you then uh- Why do you think this is important? And also, how can people
0: find your great services as well?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, why it's important. I think it's, you know, it's Montana's the last best place in, (laughs) in some ways, right? And there's some amazing places that you can access, be it on foot or on motorized travel. And I think we all have the right to be able to go out and do that. And I think we need to have an open dialogue about respecting each other, no matter what you love to do and go outside. For sure. Um, Myself, I I love both. I backcountry ski, I snowmobile, I do it all. And I do it so I can see the beautiful country that is Montana. Totally. Um, And so, yeah. And from an Onyx perspective, um, yeah, folks, go check it out. You can go to www.onyxmaps.com and that will show you our suite of products. You can kind of go through there and install and it's a mobile app. Um, It also has a web version. Um, you can check it out, and I also know that at the folks in Missoula who are attending the banquet on, on Saturday will be getting a sweet deal from Standing crew on OnX, so come check us out. The
0: broad premise here is that public lands are important, and working together, being informed, being engaged, are also very important. Thanks for being here, guys. That was very, very informative. Stan Spencer, Andrew Burrington, Backcountry Sled Patriots, as well as OnX Maps, that was great, guys. Thanks so, so much for coming in. Well, we pr- Appreciate you having us. Nuan is now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. How about some business and sports? A business angle with Jess and Angle presented by Blackfoot Communications to kick off our number two. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Radio. The Advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the Advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today. Or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate.
1: One, two, three. Is now on ESPN Radio.
0: Montana, welcome back. You want us now ESPN radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Man, one of my favorite parts about my job is when I learned stuff that I had no idea about. Thanks to Stan Spencer from the Backcountry Sled Patriots as well as Andrew Burrington from Onex Maps for coming in and uh, enlightening us. Public lands and the fight to maintain public lands very important, and uh, those guys doing good work to make sure that fun and enjoyment of the backcountry remains. A high priority and a high possibility for uh, those of us that live here in the Treasure State. We're up against it, so we're just going to do a quick one, maybe come back around to some of this a little later on. But as I've mentioned uh, a couple times already this week, an exciting event coming up at Gray Wolf Peak Casino on Friday, April 29th. The uh, Gray Wolf Peak Casino will be hosting a meet and greet with four NBA uh, or I guess professional basketball, we should say, legends. Calvin Murphy, Michael Ray Richardson, who famously played for the Montana Grizzlies, Artis Gilmore, and George Gervin. And I've talked to a lot of people about this event, and some have been like, wow, those guys are coming, and others have been like, who's those guys? For those who are those, who's those guys, we're going to kind of enlighten you here. So just quickly, here's a little lesson on Artis Gilmore. Otis Birdsong, also uh, a, a part of the group. That's one guy I'm probably going to have to educate myself about. But Artis Gilmore is uh, a, a a legend in the world of basketball, for those who know. For those that are unaware, the NBA and the ABA did not merge until 1976. So there was many prominent players that played formative years in the ABA, including Artis Gilmore. Artis Gilmore was the 1972 ABA MVP, he was a five-time All-Star in the ABA. He was also the ABA Rookie of the Year during his rookie season. He made first-team All-ABA in 1972, 1973, 1974, 1975, and 1976. His five-year peak in the ABA included him averaging 22 points and seven rebounds plus three blocks per game. He led the NBA in rebounding four times, the NBA in field goal percentage six times. He's the all-time NBA and ABA leader in all-time field goal percentage. And he's one of the very few men in professional basketball history to score more than 20,000 points and grab more than 15,000 rebounds in his career. He ended up as with 11 total All-Star appearances between the ABA and the NBA, and he played a total of 17 professional basketball seasons I'll read an excerpt here from Bill Simmons' wonderful book, The Book of Basketball, that has taught me so much about the history of professional basketball in America. And Bill Simmons writes I'm barely old enough to remember artists in his prime when he was a mountain of a man, seven foot two and 310 pounds, with a mustache goatee combo that made him look rather intimidating. He intimidated until the game started, and then you realize his reactions were split second slow. So so this just goes into to talk about maybe some of his downfalls. But the point of the story here is that Artis Gilmore, to a certain generation, is an icon. He was known for his his physical presence, his physical prowess, also his giant afro, the necklaces that he would wear during ABA games. He was a memorable figure, and I believe if he would have played in the NBA and if he would have played 10 years later, people would, on the tip of their tongue, recognize him as one of the great big men of all time. Uh, But instead, sometimes he's a little overshadowed. He he is definitely one of the most underrated players in the history of professional basketball. So there you go. Artis Gilmore, one of several iconic players that will be up at the Gray Wolf Peak Casino a little later on this month, April 29th, to be specific. Hour number one in the books, hour two coming at you. More talk about a similar subject between myself and Justin Engel. A business angle, the overlay between business and sports. Up next, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big.